Hello. Welcome to a special episode of the Adam Schindler Podcast. This is a recording that was done on Friday, June 18th, during a pause to pray time. It's about Matthew chapter 4, Jesus' experience um, in the uh, temptation in the wilderness. It's a time of prayer and encouragement, originally brought to you by millionvoices.org. This is Adam Schindler, Pause to Pray, June 18th, 2021. So today I want to talk about something that I call God's ends, devil's means. Um, and it's it's one of my favorite passages. It's got a lot of passages in the New Testament that I love all throughout the scriptures, really. Um, but this passage is unique in particular because it's the temptation of Jesus. And each one of the things that the devil tempts Jesus of are significant. Okay, and um, I think that it's important that we understand a bit of this and understand how it connects to something that's moving in our culture today. Really, the, the difficult and confusing conversation that's being had about race in America is based on some underlying foundations that we have to address. So I'm only going to address them a little bit today, but I'm going to do it out of Matthew chapter 4. So if you guys have your Bibles... Um, you can turn there. We're going to go Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 11. We're going to teach through this really quickly, and then we're going to talk about equality, and then we're going to pray. Okay? Thank you all for jumping back on. Some of you tried to connect. I wasn't able to continue on with my stream a few minutes ago, um, but now I'm in my car with air conditioner, so my phone should should not act up. All right, so let's take a look at this. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 4. And this is when the Holy Spirit leads the devil, wait, no, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, okay? And this is a critical moment. This is the initiation, the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And it's important to know that the Holy Spirit led, or in, in Greek, it's drove. It's this forceful, like, I'm forcing you out to go and be tested, and I think that it's important to understand this component is that to begin living in the fullness of the purpose that God had for Jesus, the first thing that the Father did after the Holy Spirit descended upon him and remained like a dove, descended and remained, anointed Jesus for his ministry. The Spirit drove him for 40 days into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, to be tempted to acquire for himself the promises of God, okay? This was the temptation, and I'm going to show this to you now. The temptation was, Jesus, will you acquire for yourself the promises of God in your life? Watch this now. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus was led by the devil, or I keep saying that, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered them, Man, it is written in Deuteronomy, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, I could do a long teaching on this, but it's going to be fast. This first one is Jesus we want, the devil tempts Jesus to create a manifestation of the reality that Jesus is the bread of life in the earth. And the devil says, here, do a party trick for me. 
turn something that's dead, ob you know, object, a stone, there's deeper significance here, but I'm just doing surface. Take, take some inanimate object and create the bread. Demonstrate to everyone that you are indeed the bread. It's this slick little thing. And Jesus says, look, I'm not doing it your way. I'm doing it the way it is written. I don't just live by food that nourishes me. I live by the word that comes from the mouth of my father. I'm following my father, tempter. So was Jesus called to be the bread of life, to be manifest in the world for all to see that he was indeed taking dead, stony, inanimate things and creating life out of them by being the bread for them? Yes, this was part of Jesus' call to become the bread of life for the earth. He says it later. But Satan tried to get Jesus to do it his way. Okay, And Jesus responded, it's not about the outcome. It's about living by the word that comes from the mouth of the Father. Okay, let's look at number two, verse five of Matthew four. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city. That's Jerusalem, 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 the city of peace. The devil took Jesus to the city of peace and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. All right, the pinnacle of the temple is this spot right up on the corner. It's called the place of the trumpeting, okay? And there is a stone that, um, that fell from the top of the temple in the, se the second temple period, Herod's temple. When the Romans came and destroyed that in 70 AD, there's a stone that has Hebrew engraved on it that's fallen down, and it lies in situ at the base along the southern, the southwestern corner of Temple Mount today. The actual stone on it has carved in Hebrew the place of the trumpeting. Okay, now the original stone's in a museum, but they've replicated it and left it there amongst the ruins of the, the Roman assault. And I mean, it's a beautiful spot. But this place of the trumpeting was known as the pinnacle of the temple. And it was the spot on the place of the trumpeting where the priests would stand on the corner of the temple looking out over the throngs of people and all the commerce that was happening on the southern and western corners of Temple Mount. And they would blow the trumpet. And the trumpet would be the signal that Shabbat was coming in, the signal that the festivals were coming in. It was an announcing of the presence of God entering into the holy city in the days of Shabbat, the times of Shabbat and other things. Okay, that's the pinnacle of the temple, all right? It's a specific spot on Temple Mount. So Satan takes Jesus up to the spot where the priests in the presence of God or on the mountain where the presence of God was announced the coming of God into the city. And this is what the devil says to Jesus at that spot. He says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Hey, Jesus, throw yourself off from the place of the announcing of the presence of God. You know, and what a great announcement to watch you, the Messiah, be thrown off this temple where everybody's watching and then watch the manifestation of God's angelic power to catch you. Wouldn't this be an amazing way to announce your Messiahship to all of Israel? This is how you should do it. Big, spectacular, supernatural sign and wonder from the top of the mountain. What does Jesus say? He understands what Satan is doing here. The tempter, he understood it. And he was actually tempted by it. Otherwise, it's not a tempter. He's just an annoying fool at that point. 
But no, Satan was a tempter. Jesus was actually tempted, desiring, saw the possibility. Much like in the garden when he said, God, this is not what I want. He's, he's being pressed and blood is coming from his forehead. It says, but not my will, yours be done. He was tempted, but he didn't say yes to the temptation. He pursued the Father. So Jesus, knowing this, says, again, it is written, all right? I'm submitted to the words of my Father, not the outcome of your temptations, devil. Again, it is written, Matthew 4, 7, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. All right, so this is a big deal. Jesus knew the serpent, the enemy, the tempter, Satan, was trying to test him, to demonstrate, all right? Number two, number one, bread of life. Number two, announce to the world that you are indeed the Messiah. Jesus says, I'm not getting your outcomes, devil. You know, this is what God's called me to, but I'm not doing it your way. Then, number three, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. All right, a very high mountain. Um, well, there's a lot to be said about that, the mountains of influence, where Satan took Jesus up to a very high mountain. That's not Mount of Zion. That could be, you know, in Israel wherever. There's lots of conjecture. The point is, he takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple, and then he takes him up to the pinnacle of culture, okay? First, he says, let's get you to announce to the religious world that you are Messiah. Jesus says, no. So first, it's bread. Announce to the individual that you are Messiah. I'm not doing it your way, Satan. Next one, pinnacle of the temple. Announce to the religious world that you are Messiah. And he's like, I'm not doing it your way. Last one, very high mountain. Announce to the entire earth, all the kingdoms of this world. Announce from the mountains of influence that you are Messiah, Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and he says, at this point, he rebukes him. And he says, be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. So y'all, I want you to see this, okay? This is what the enemy wants from you. He wants you to do God's work in your life using his methods, okay? He'd much rather actually probably get you not to do God's work, um, but if he can get you to do God's work, he wants you to use his methods, okay? Was Jesus called to be the bread of life? Was he called to announce the coming of God into Jerusalem? Was he called to be the one that all the nations of the earth fell down and worshipped? Yes, absolutely. Without doubt, without question. This is why it was a temptation. Because Jesus knew that every one of these things that Satan had called him to the Father had called him to. But here's the punchline, y'all, and we're going to talk about our culture. We cannot get the Father's ends using the devil's means. In fact, we have not been called to produce outcomes in the kingdom of God. We have been called to abide in Christ. We have been called to stay connected to the vine. And there is an ancient traducer, an accuser, a serpent that wants to get us connected to our minds and the knowledge of right and wrong, good and evil, and disconnected from the very word that God is speaking, the tree of life. Okay? And if we continue 
continue to gorge ourselves as American evangelicals or as believers in Jesus or just good moral people, if we continue to gorge ourselves at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and do not connect to the very word that God is speaking, we will do the enemy's work. Okay? I know I'm being hard this morning and I'm preaching to myself today. Because we are not called to produce outcomes in the kingdom, but to stay connected, to abide in Christ, to stay connected to the vine. All right? So, one practical connection here with American culture. One of the great assaults right now to the abiding in Christ, the intimate, personal connection to Jesus is coming at the church in, it's been coming for decades now, but we're at a spot right now that the church is beginning to realize that we are in danger. Okay. And one of those is about this idea of critical race theory or critical social justice. Okay. And there's a lot of information and a lot of misinformation. This can become a conservative boogeyman. Okay. And people can put us down for talking back or out against it. And I can only say one thing in this forum about this. Okay. Cause it's a much longer discussion, but here's the thing about critical race theory. One of the big things about it is that it changes, it removes from the conversation, fundamentally, it removes individual racism and puts racism into the context of systems. Okay? Why is this a problem? Um, uh, Abraham Kendi was one of the, one of the, the most well-known, well-read um, thinkers in critical race theory and critical social justice and what they call anti-racism. It's not enough just to not be racist. Not being racist means you're silent on racism, which means you're complicit in racism. So silence is violence, according to Black Lives Matter and Starbucks that pasted that on their banners in 2020 up in Birmingham, Alabama that I saw. The problem here is that you must become an anti-racist to work against it. And Ibrahim Kendi says that uh, racism, systemic racism, is um, uh, a redundancy because racism by its very core is in systems. Okay, what does this mean? Well, the new definition of racism does not even require there be individual racists. Okay? Me, as a heterosexual, white, able-bodied, native-born American male, I am at the height of white supremacy and racism under these theories because I have white fragility and white guilt and all kinds of things that prevent me from seeing and understanding. And I live, according to these theories, blinded by a system of systemic racism that I don't even have to be a racist by virtue of me being white and a man. I am a racist because I'm in a system that is racist. Okay? And these, these are not marginalized um, ideas about critical race theory. These are coming directly from their primary sources. So why am I talking about this? in the me in connected to uh, Matthew 4 and what are we actually going to pray about today good question well the reason I'm talking about this besides I'm rambling a little bit is that when racism stops being about an individual heart issue and it becomes about a structural cultural issue 
all of the assaults come around culture and structure and the solution when they offer solutions is not about equality of opportunity but the solution is equality of outcomes okay and the evidence that there is systemic racism is based upon the fact that not everybody has the same experience in the world the outcomes of everybody's life are not equal okay and that is evidence for critical race theorists that there is systemic racism because the outcomes are not the same so this is why i'm talking about this we see and church we have to learn how to parse this particular issue i encourage you to read books by um vadi bakum he's got a new book called fault lines by vadi bakum um, that talks about the coming fissure in the evangelical church it's a good book i encourage you to get it, it just came out um, and learn some about this but the point of this is that the enemy wants to get us so wrapped up in knowledge, so wrapped up in secret knowledge and secret vernacular and critical race theory changes fundamental terms that we don't even understand what racism means anymore. It changes that to give you a secret knowledge so that you know what's really going on and you discover that you need to get the outcome of everybody to be equal, okay? You need to get God's outcomes because God says that everyone in Christ is equal, right? There's not slave nor Jew, nor male nor female, right? Nor Jew nor Greek. Everybody's equal. But the equality is not outcome, it's equality of opportunity. And we have to make sure that we are not getting led into believing everything has to look the same in order for it to be the same. And that the devil wants to get us to believe that we just need to get an outcome, but Jesus is staying, saying, stay connected to my heart. Okay, that was a bit of a ramble, but this is the point. Okay, please engage, learn, and, and inform yourself about what critical race theory is and how it's working in the church today. There's a lot of information. But most importantly, as you do that, whatever sources you choose to engage with, um, please, please stay connected to the voice of Jesus. Ask him, God, maybe there really are some issues. There are social problems in our country that we have got to address. You know, all justice is social. You know, there can't be any injustice if there's one guy living alone on an island, right? There's no injustice if it's just one person. All justice is social, okay? But not all justice is biblical. We need to pursue the biblical justice. So would you guys pray with me specifically for the church as it relates to understanding and staying connected to the heart of the Father and not the outcomes specifically that critical race theorists are trying to push into the uh, American church? Would you pray for that? And also I do wanna pray, um, I do wanna pray for uh, some things in DC. So would you guys pray with me now? King Jesus, we thank you God, that you are our seminal example, that you are perfect theology. And Jesus, you were tempted to get for yourself what God had called you to do. Just like Abraham got for himself through Ishmael and offered Ishmael up to say, oh, that Ishmael would live in your sight, O Lord. And God, you said to Abraham, no, no, the child of the promise comes through the promise, not through your own efforts. But Jesus, you were tempted to get for yourself 
what the what God had promised you through the enemy's means and you showed us the way to live. And you said every time, Jesus, it is not by your will, but it is by the word that the Father speaks. So Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name for the church of Jesus, for everyone that's listening to this call, that you would root us in this chaotic, confusing, assaulting time that we're in in culture. Father, that you would root us to the words that you're speaking. Father, to the written word, the revealed word of God, that we would come to understand the depths of the scripture, the understanding of the beauty of the infinite one that's revealed in the scripture. Father, I pray that the church of Jesus would become strong in the word of God, in the revealed word, the written word, also in the now word, the rhema word, and those things would reveal the living word, Jesus, the Messiah. Father, we ask in particular that you would protect and rise up voices that can, that can rightly adjudicate between right and wrong, good and evil, based upon the, their connection to the tree of life. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that these assaults that are coming and these fault lines that are really developing and have been developing in the church, Father, that you would, that you would preserve your American church and your body around these fault lines about critical race theory and critical social justice. Father, and how all of these things are wrapped up in our own ability to know instead of receive connection and truth through you. Jesus, we pray, God, that in this time of exposure that we're in, in this time where the Lord is bringing exposure, when he's dealing with illegitimate rulers, both in our nation and in our own hearts, God, as we are dealing with idolatry and getting cleansed and set free, Father, we pray that you would preserve the body of Jesus, a strong remnant body in in America, that we would be people that wouldn't be tied to denominations or historical um, commitments, um, Father, to, to just the way it's been, but God, that we would preserve the Word of God, the truth of God, the orthodoxy of Scripture through our relationship to God. Father, and I know that this is difficult, Father, but we ask for special grace, and I pray for the church right now, Jesus. And even as the Southern Baptists had their annual convention, Father, this last week, I pray, God, for that beacon of, of truth in the nation to continue to connect their hearts and to connect their policy and to connect their churches, 43-some thousand messengers around the world of churches in the Southern Baptist world. I pray, Father, that you would do a move of God that would rock the Southern Baptist world. Father, that you would move in fire like you're moving in Tennessee in some Southern Baptist churches and you're moving in fire in lots of places, that you would connect people to the heart of the Father and the revelation of the Son through the power of the Spirit, Father, and that that organization, the Southern Baptist Convention and all of their churches would come alive in Jesus' name. Father, we do pray that for the denominations in this country as well. Father, for all of the issues and the church polity, Jesus, that I don't know what you think about that, Lord. But we know that you love your bride and we know you love your body and your people, Jesus. So we pray for the bride of Christ and the denominations in this culture that are really struggling because there is conflicting visions about the world because people are trying to get the purposes of God using the enemy's methods. And that's why it's so hard to adjudicate and understand, Father, because the outcomes seem like they're God. 
but the methods do not connect to the Father. So Father, we ask that you would expose those. You would cause repentance and awareness in our own hearts where we live that way, that we would not be too proud to take a knee before the throne of Jesus and say, you are the adjudicator of right and wrong. I am desperate in need of saving. Jesus, we thank you, God, that you are life and death right and wrong. You are the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you are the tree of life, Father. And as you give us life, we come to know right and wrong, good and evil, life and death. So we ask you, Jesus, and we believe you, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you have not given us a spear, a a spirit of fear um, that makes us fall back into temptation and, and surrender, but you have given us a spirit of sonship. We've got a sound mind and a strong heart that we cry out, Abba, Father. So Jesus, we do cry out, Abba, Father, right now for ourselves, for our friends, for our family, but Jesus, for the body of Christ, we cry out, Abba, Father, would you come and father the American church? Father, we're praying specifically today for the American church. Please, Father, father them. The last words in the Old Testament, I'm sending to you the spirit of Elijah, that he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons to the father, lest the earth be struck with a decree of utter desolation. Jesus, the world seems like it's moving into utter desolation because there are many sons and daughters and no fathers. Teach us how to father. God, give us a spirit of sonship and an understanding of fathering. Father, that we would lead people not into the outcomes of social justice, but into the encounter with the king of justice, the king of peace. We ask you, Jesus, for this. Father, and even in these times, God, we don't even know how to pray. Like, Jesus, I've got lots of ideas and yearnings and hunger for truth, but God, I don't know how to pray. So, According to Romans and according to your scripture, Father, when our weak, in our weaknesses, we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with groans too deep for words because he knows the mind of Christ. He knows the mind of the Father and he searches our hearts and he works according to the purposes of God. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would intercede on our behalf in our weakness when we don't know how to pray as we ought to. Father, that you intercede on our behalf according to what's in our hearts, according to the will of the Father, according to the power of the Spirit. We believe you for this, Jesus. We ask you. Father, I also ask that you would fill us up again, that you would encourage and nourish us in the faith and in love. Father, I pray for everyone that's listening that a spirit of peace would descend upon them right now in Jesus' name, that they would hear and receive the love of the Father right where they're sitting in front of their phones or computers, that they would know the truth that makes them free and they could enjoy their weekend. Father, I pray that everyone would enjoy their rest, that they would take a Shabbat, that they would take a rest and enjoy the rest because they're with the King of Peace. We ask you, God, for this. We bless you, Jesus, and pray these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for jumping on. Thank you for the great comments. Um, 
it's a real privilege to get to come on and pray uh, with a little crew of people um, that follow us at Million Voices. My wife and I, Stephanie, are just really grateful for you all uh, and appreciate everything that you sow into the kingdom of God. So don't lose heart. Don't give up. Jesus is moving. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff happening about election integrity that's still moving around. And y'all, it's going to be an interesting summer. Keep your heart alive. Keep your heart connected to Jesus. And surely we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Remember that. Bride of Christ, body of Jesus, friends of Million Voices. God bless you all. Thank you so much for watching. Be well.